stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite World Talk radio shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon from sunny Arizona, and it is one of those impeccably gorgeous days today, um, saying, hey, we have a really great show for you today. I'm not going to do all my usual chatter. We're going to get right into it because I don't want you to miss a thought. Um, if you believe, speaking of thoughts, that thoughts are things and that they create, then you have some understanding of the enormous important importance of your beliefs um, and, the, and the impact they have on every facet of your life. I often ask my clients to ponder this. What do you believe that you were, weren't told you had to believe or thought you had to believe as a child? Now, if you've examined your beliefs and those formed in childhood still ring true to you, great, fantastic. But if you haven't examined your beliefs, if you don't know what you believe about the important things in your life and even the unimportant things in your life, then don't be surprised at what happens along the way. I mean, just, you know, you're in for a lot of surprises. Today, we're going to talk about belief with Dr. Eldon Taylor, who just released his latest book, I Believe. Eldon Taylor is an award-winning New York Times best-selling author of over 300 books and audio and video programs, and I checked him out, and, and there's every one of those there. He's also the host of the popular Hay House radio show, Provocative Enlightenment. I encourage you to listen to that. He's the inventor of the patented InterTalk technology and the founder and president of Progressive Awareness Research, Inc., who's been featured as an expert in films, print, television, and radio. He's been called a master of the mind and has appeared as an expert witness on both hypnosis and subliminal communication. Eldon has earned doctorates in clinical and pastoral psychology. He's an ordained interdenominational minister and a fellow in the American Psychotherapy Association. He's listed in more than a dozen who's who publications, was awarded the 2005 International Peace Prize by the United Cultural Convention for his outstanding personal achievements to the good of society as a whole. 
If you go to the self-improvement blog, he pretty much owns it today. You can read an article about happiness and success that he wrote. And you can watch several videos that he's done that are on YouTube. I really encourage you to do that. Um, they're really worthwhile. It is such an, an honor for me to welcome you to the self-improvement show, Dr. Eldon. Well, it's indeed my pleasure, and I'm very glad to join you. I'm envious of your beautiful day, uh, although, you know, I mean, I'm in Spokane, Washington. We got up to a glorious, oh, eight or nine inches of fresh new snow this morning. Really? really? I haven't seen any news today, so. No, it's, uh, in fact, uh, you know, it was one of those mornings I looked at my 18-year-old son and said, you can miss the day. It, 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 no one's going to be prepared for driving in this. And, uh, <laughs> and did he get his skis and, a member and go my, out? A member of my staff came in and said it took me an hour to get here. Normally it takes her 15, 20 minutes because of wow. all the accidents on the road. So well, It's wonderful that sunshine doesn't cause those kind of problems. Isn't it? <laughs> we have, uh, it it's a beautiful sunny day now. and You know, one of those exceptional, it really is very pretty. It's just untimely for this time of year to suddenly you know, have this much snow out of nowhere. So It's been an untimely year. Oh, hasn't it? Hasn't it? So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who's Eldon Taylor, and how did you get to this place in your life? And excuse me, but if you hear some squeaking, I have a two-month-old puppy, and he has this wonderful toy, and you'll hear him in the background. I apologize for that. No, don't apologize. I think that's wonderful. I've got a, you know, I know this is an aside, but I have a close friend, a five-year-old, not quite five-year-old, German Shepherd that uh, uh, has cancer, lymphoma. Oh, and uh, I started bringing him to the office every day with me because whenever I leave, he, he gets really upset that I'm leaving and seems to have an attachment disorder. And, and I theorized that perhaps that, I mean, for a five-year-old dog to have lymphoma, it's very unusual. So I theorized that perhaps that might have something to do with it. Well, he's receiving chemo treatments, and and uh, he, he's responding well. But he goes, he comes with me now every day to the office. He lays in my office, and he seems to be a lot happier. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I look at things like that and say, you know, I should have brought him all the time. There would have been no reason not to. What, you know, what, what are the ideas that we get in our head? Because this cut does come to the point of what we're talking about today. It is, is kind the, of a belief, what isn't is it? It is a belief that says, you know, look, it's unprofessional or, you you know, it's not what you do. Dogs smell. Dogs need to go outside. I mean, you know, we, we have this whole clutter of ideas that somehow, you know, stops us from enjoying our friendship with these animals to the fullest as we could if we'd abandon those notions, those ideas. He is adopt. My dog is adopted very adapted, not adoptive. Well, he's adopted by staff, but he's adapted very well to being in the office. Uh, he no longer, you know, goes nuts when the UPS guy arrives or the FedEx guy, or you know, he, he's learned what the routines are, and and he's he's perfectly quiet and perfectly well behaved, and, and you know, it's just a matter that I never gave him the opportunity to do that before, uh, and I didn't because. Well, it's just not professional to bring a dog to work. We don't believe that's okay, do we? No. I so believe it's okay to bring my puppy to work. <laughs> yeah. 
Now to answer your question, you know, I, 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 I'm just a West Side kid uh, whose father was involved in law enforcement. Um, my mother basically didn't work. Uh, we, you know, I, I left home early, um, and, and that was because of disputes with my parents, and I had a good deal of angst and anger and, and blame all directed at them uh, for for my life and things not working out the way I wanted them all to work out. And, uh, and so the bottom line was, you know, there came a point in my life that I found, as I think most people do, we can become what we resist. And uh, so where I had resisted many of the things that I didn't like, particularly about my father, I found myself very much behaving uh, as though I had been the duckling imprinted in the chicken yard, which indeed I had been. And all of us are indeed imprinted in that way. And uh, the long and the short of the story is I happened to have serendipity come along and uh, mm-hmm. give me an opportunity to look in the mirror and see myself. Uh, I was doing some work at the time as a lie detection examiner. I practiced criminalistics for years, and and what I would do on a typical day was run lie detection tests or conduct an investigation, perhaps an interrogation uh, or, or forensic hypnosis session. Um and in lie detection, one of the problems that you have is called inconclusives, and that's where you have an individual who wants to tell the truth, but because of situational stress, um, we, we're, we're unable to give them a, a clean bill of health. We're unable to say that they practice deception or there's no deception indicated. We call that an inconclusive. Or you also have uh, the perp that is going to lie to you, and they employ countermeasures, but they they do it stealthily enough that, once again, you can't really say one or the other based on your charts. So I had heard of a technology that uh, might be used to exaggerate physiological responses, and uh, and later that technology became patented as what today we call intertalk. Uh, but I, I went after developing this technology, and by golly, it worked. And a friend of mine at the Utah State Prison said to me, well, Eldon, if it works to do this, do you think it could work to lower hostility and aggression? You see, the technology is all about changing how we talk to ourselves and therefore our expectation. So... You know, the idea was, could we change the expectation, the belief system of the inmate population and thereby lower hostility and aggression and perhaps even get lucky and, and interrupt recivity rates? Could could we manage to do that? Well, the long and the short of the, that story is I went out to the prison. We ran some very extensive psychometrics, uh, my friend Dr. Charles McCusker uh, administered the MMPI through computers. and well, But when we were all said and done, we hadn't learned anything that we didn't know going in. The inmates had uh, high scores in self and social alienation. So, in other words, they had low self-esteem, and if right. they weren't worth anything, then you aren't either. So that was their compensation strategy. Um, you know, do to them before it's done, you know, do to you before it's done to them. 
when we sat with the inmates, there was this mechanism that became very obvious, and it was the ability to displace responsibility. Ah, but for the grace of God, there go you, you know? And, and, I, and I heard that in many stories and most exaggerated, like my daddy was an alcoholic and my mommy a prostitute and the neighbor boy mainlined me when I was 12. Uh, but even when, we, even when the exaggerated stories were given to us, uh, and, and they turned out not to be so exaggerated, you could have two brothers come out of the same home. One would be a, a doctor in a teaching hospital, the other in the prison system, because of their belief and their choices. So in other words, they lived in the same uh, environment. They were presented with the same more or less stimuli, and yet they made different choices and different compensation strategies, and that led to two entirely different lives. Well, this compensation strategy that, you know, displaces responsibility, we just call blame. As I was discovering this, Go ahead, did you... No, I, I just am agreeing. Okay, as I, as I was discovering this, I mean, what I was getting was a mirror on myself. I was seeing in this inmate population that I had the same mechanism, that I displaced responsibility by blame. I was, I was still blaming mom, and I was still blaming dad, and I was still blaming this and that and the other, and... And to that precise extent, I was very much just like these inmates. I was disempowering myself. Uh, You know, there's effectively two ways to be tied up in the world. I like this model. You know, somebody can come in and they can just physically bind you, tie you up. Or you can attach a thread to a doorknob. And we'll call that thread a belief. And you can hold on to that thread and refuse to pull it hard enough to break it or to let go of it, and you are effectively tethered at the length of that thread to that doorknob. Now, that's what blame does. It it essentially says, I'm disempowered. Nothing I can do. So-and-so did this to me. This happened to me. Uh, uh, Maybe I can get even, you know. And that's the, the reciprocity to blame is anger. And anger is A-N-G-E-R, a nasty getting even response. So now I don't get even, I get evener. And in that vicious cycle, a lot of people carry out their lives. Well, I saw this in the inmate population, and I saw it in myself. The difference was I had chosen a career or a vocation. My, my mechanism was what Freud would call a socially acceptable adaptation. And their mechanism was not a socially accepted. In other words, I found a way to act out my hostility and aggression through law enforcement, and they were finding a way to act out there um, through criminal means. Okay. Well, to make a long story short, that was a real epiphany to me. Uh, I had no intention whatsoever of wanting to live my life a prisoner to beliefs uh, that were very limiting, uh, we employed a strategy with the inmates that I later employed with myself that today we just call the forgiveness set. Obviously, we built self-esteem issues, but we tied that into I forgive myself, I forgive all others, I am forgiven. And by doing so, 
we theorized that, okay, if you can no longer displace responsibility, if you can no longer blame somebody, then you effectively can take um, steps to do something about every circumstance. In other words, I may not be in charge of all the stimuli that comes into my life, but I am absolutely in charge of how I respond to that stimuli. In that process, what we saw is we were able to effectively uh, facilitate lowering uh, aggression and hostility among inmates. And that's a concept that a lot of people can't get to without help. You know, they, they, don't qu- they may get a glimmer of it, but they don't know what to do about it. You're absolutely right about that. And, you know, and I would have been one of those people. This question began with, who am I? Well, you're just one of those folks, like everybody else out there, going through life, coming upon an instance in, in my life where the opportunity said, hey, stupid, Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> and, 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 and it was a life changer for me, Irene. And, and I want to talk more about some of the things you've learned about this after the break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Eldon Taylor, saying stay tuned because we're going to talk more about beliefs when we come back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Are you looking to improve your personal or professional branding? What about your business? We've got a program that will help streamline your image management. Tune in to Marketing Matters, hosted by Yasmeen Anderson-Smith. Your business and public image is important to your customers' perceptions. And in this day and age, how you market yourself or your company can make the difference between running a successful business and shutting it down. Marketing Matters can be heard every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Eldon Taylor. Uh, who has just released the book last week, I believe, <laughs> called I Believe. Um, we've been talking about who is Eldon Taylor, and now I'd like to talk a little bit about what brought you to write this book, Eldon. What was the motivation, the inspiration behind this? You've written so many already. What brought you to do this one? Well, 
you know, partly all of the books that I've written and all of the work that I've done, I have to say, um, contributed to why I wrote uh, I Believe when uh, What You Believe Matters, the subtitle. Here's what it comes down to. You know, I could say, look you straight in the eye, Irene, and say after 30 years of research, uh, in the journal articles, uh, in studies that uh, I've conducted or been involved in or have assisted others in conducting in uh, all the books and, and the people that I've met and uh, the clients I've seen, uh, I'm going to say absolutely, unequivocally, the failings, if you will, that we call the self-failings, those that that uh, inhibit our happiness, our realization of our highest best, are all in our beliefs. In other words, look, if the core of the apple is a belief, then the most important thing that we should be paying attention to is the seeds that make up that core. Every, you know, what I believe today, I, I'm, I'm, I am actually creating as my life path going forward. Exactly. If, if I choose to have a limiting belief, then I will indeed find that my self-fulfilling prophecy uh, comes true. You know, there was a piece of seminal research, and at least I consider it to be seminal research. It was done a few years ago, uh, where essentially the idea was, if belief is all this powerful, if if it really has this kind of control over people, now this was work done by David Phillips at UC San Diego, we should be able to actually look and see historically, a correspondence between belief. So what if we were to go to China, where belief in the astrological system is pretty fixed, and the astrological system there says not just the sign you're born under, like the year of the dog, but also what you're going to do for a living and what you're going to die of. What if we just we looked at the data, a 50-year spread of data, uh, historically, and see if we can find a correlation between your expectation, because you're born of this birth sign that says you're going to die of cancer, or you're born of this birth sign that says you're going to die of cardiac disease, or this one that says you're going to live a long life and it doesn't matter what you do, Okay. Could we find a positive correlation actually carried out because people believe that? Well, obviously, I'm telling oh, yeah. you about this study, so you know the conclusion. The fact is, yes, absolutely, definitely, because you believed, assuming that you were a Chinese person born under one of these birth signs, that you would die of cancer. You died of cancer. You died of cancer. And we see that in medicine all the way through. I have a master's degree in nursing and batted around in this for a long time. And, um, well, the evidence is there. Let me ask you this question. I did a little search on Amazon this morning. I searched for belief, and there are 73,311 responses to that query. Wow. I then... Search for I believe, and this is just on Amazon, uh-huh. 
and got 671,652 results. Wow. So why should people choose your, your book? What does your book have to offer? Okay, people well, that that's a good question. Your... That's, that's some interesting information I've not, uh, <laughs> not heard. Uh, great way to approach it. Um, you know, I would assume that a lot of the books that are saying, I believe, uh, <clears throat> are there to tell you what to believe. Oh, I And my book is not there to tell you what to believe. My book is there to tell you what not to believe. It's there to show you how your beliefs, for all intent and purposes, sabotage your highest best. Um, you know, it is not religious in any way, shape, or form. No, it's, and it's interesting that most of us think when we talk about beliefs that that means what we believe about God and religion. Right. But we should think of life beliefs because our life beliefs, from what our favorite color is to what we can't stand, they're all a part of a web. And, and I want you to just imagine a giant spider web for a minute because if you've ever seen these giant webs, maybe in a barn or somewhere, you know, the, the center of them is very concentric, very geometrical. It, it's it's very beautiful design. But as you get out toward the edges, it becomes much more fragmented. But nevertheless, it's still firmly, rigidly attached. Yes. So if you strike any part of the web, all of the web vibrates. Our beliefs are just like that. So they literally govern us. Now, and I mean that. I'm not, that's not a metaphor. I mean they govern. Government. No, I totally agree with you. Now, you, you won't get an say, argument from me on that. Okay. What I was going to add to Irene is that we now know that before, in fact, as much as seven seconds before you make a conscious decision, your unconscious has decided it for you. Functional magnetic resonance imaging experiments show us that your decisions can be known by an MRI specialist before they're known by you. Oh, while that's, he's in, that's new your information brain. for me. Okay? So when I say your beliefs literally program you, I'm speaking about that literally. What comes out of our unconscious, the subconscious content, is the sum total of all the programming we have accepted in our life that we, we take in and, and can best be known as just simply beliefs. So we have some that are dissonant. You know, you think of your saliva for a minute. This is my favorite dissonant example. Uh, I'm glad I have my saliva. I couldn't be speaking with you now. Uh, if your listening audience thinks of it, maybe, you know, grade your saliva. Would you, on, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give your saliva? I give mine a 10, okay? I've had a dry mouth. I, I don't like those. I, I've awoken in the middle of the night with a, a dry mouth. They're very uncomfortable, so I like mine. But now I want you to think or imagine that you have a little shot glass in front of you. And I want you to spit some of that saliva into that shot glass. Maybe you tip it just a little and you see air bubbles or something, but okay, you've got it in the shot glass, right? Now I want you to drink it back. Now if you're like 99.9% .9 of the population, the minute I said drink it back, you go, oh, 
Yeah. That's vile. I'm not drinking spit. Now, wait a minute. How is it that the saliva in my mouth is just a 10, but the spit in my glass is absolutely vile, separated by just seconds? We have... We have such a bifurcation in our thinking process that we literally have the ability to hold even more fundamental values uh, as simultaneously true when they simultaneously are opposed to one another. Interesting concept. and, and, And they influence us in everything that we do. You know, a recent study, Irene, said that if, if you want to improve your life, of all the things that you can possibly do out there, you can do something I was told when I was in college could not be done. But when I was in college, you were told, you know, IQ is fixed, uh, brain cells die and cannot replace themselves. Yeah, I went to so, college then, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Personality is, you know, formed by age three or so, and, and it never changes a whole lot of other things that just turn out not to be true. They're false to fact. Well, of all the things that you could do to make a considerable difference in in your life's well-being, it's not get a raise, it's not have more money. The improvement comes from what now we call a personality change. Now think about that. If I want a higher sense of well-being in my life... I must have some beliefs that are fixing me at a lower sense of well-being. Maybe they're physical. We, we can take multiple personality disordered patients. In one personality, uh, they're hypoglycemic, snap your fingers, personality changes, they have normal blood chemistry. Uh, in one personality, the eyes are blue, snap your fingers. The next one, they're brown. Now, wait a minute, that's DNA. But even more, we, we person, multiple personality cases reported where in one personality the patient has a tumor, maybe the size of a baseball, snap your finger, the next personality, that tumor is gone. You, EEG patterns that completely change as though they were placed on different people. What, what's happened here is only the belief about who they are has changed. I'm Eldon Taylor in one belief. I'm Irene in another belief. And in those beliefs, there's two entirely different people. And 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 that can be demonstrated. Yeah, I mean, these studies are around, and they can't be refuted. If this is the real deal, it is. Eldon, it's time for us to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how we acquire the beliefs that we have. Okay. This is cool. Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Eldon Taylor. We're talking about beliefs, and we're going to talk about how you form your beliefs when we come back, so stay tuned. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. 
show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness is delighted to finally have the opportunity to fulfill the requests of our many guests and listeners to extend the Mind, Brain, and Body experience to a second hour. Tune in for The Lyceum, Critiques of Ancient and Modern Understanding with Dr. Michael Kell. The purpose of this show is to explore and expand upon mankind's continual efforts to explain why we exist. Join us each week as we continue our fireside chats with some of the most remarkable thinkers living today. The Lyceum airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Eldon Taylor. We're talking about beliefs, and we've come to this critical question, and I want to give you a two-pronged question, Eldon. How do we acquire our beliefs, and how do we go about discovering what it is we believe at a deeper level? Okay. Uh, the, the, we could spend a couple of hours on each uh, one of those, weeks, but I'll, I'll, I'll see if we can bulletproof them. Um, the first bit, uh, how do we acquire our beliefs? We're acquiring beliefs 24-7. We're processing information in our information age world on a 24-7 basis. And, and today, you know, it comes at us more and more and more and more. And, and, and it's through billboards on the street. It's through conversations around the drinking fountain at work. It's visits in the pub afterwards. It's uh, the television, et cetera, and so forth. Essentially, we're the result in large of our organic socialization, which is family, peers, and so forth. Uh, but I think of that more specifically as deficiency training. See, the real problem is most of us are trained in belie- to believe that we are deficient. We're deficient in some way or another. Let me make that clear. If uh, when we're children we are generally told things like, you're not old enough, you're not smart enough, uh, you'll never be able to do this. Uh, then we get some of the other accoutrements, like uh, you have a funny smile, you're too skinny, you're too fat. And I could go on for, for hours on the list that most of us hear from our family, our teachers, our peers. And My personal we, favorite is you'll never amount to anything. Yeah, that one, yeah. And then we plug into television, you know, TV and uh, radio uh, uh, largely can assuage our anxiety. Now, 
your show and and there are shows that are educational so i'm not i'm not meaning this about all but the minute you get commercials coming on the media what you have is a salesman telling you you're missing something you yes. are deficient your complexion is deficient you uh, weigh too much uh, there's a gombu coming to town and you're going to get it uh you're aging improperly you you think about it uh, you cannot sell a life vest to a person comfortable that they live in a desert. You must make them think that they can drown in order to sell that life vest. So everything that is poured at us is poured at us with an idea of some inherent deficiency. Now, our educational system exacerbates that some by giving us the idea that there are absolutes, there are answers to every question, and the way for you to get through the process is to memorize name, dates, and places. Oh, yes. So in that process, we, we lose the dignity of what a rose really is. The fact that you can throw a switch and turn on the lights does not explain what electricity is. But most go away with, oh, yeah, I know what electricity is. That's what powers the lights. But it certainly is much more than that. The fact that I can add a gallon of gasoline to a gallon of water and it does not equal two gallons astounds most adults. Absolutely astounds them. So all of these these beliefs that I called the web before, they, they have come through this organic process and then i touched upon media but you should know this look beginning with bernays and and he was the nephew of sigmund freud edward bernays said you know my uncle has stumbled onto something here if we can just tweak all these unconscious things we get people to do what we want them to do and they'll think they want to do it he fathered what is called today neuromarketing. So magnetic resonance imaging isn't just used in ways that you might think for health. It's also used to carry out experiments like this one carried out in the United Kingdom where researchers looked at how smokers responded to the Surgeon General's warning on a pack of cigarettes and discovered it made them want to smoke more. So... The manufacturers of cigarettes made the warning larger, put it on more sides of the package. However, when it was discovered that the pitchers were indeed, they did put smokers off, then tobacco companies fought that, which they recently won. Neuromarketing has become big, big, billions and billions and billions of dollars have been spent to understand exactly how to motivate us. I mean, little things like studies have been run where exact automobiles have been placed in a line. I mean, when I say exact, here, you know, three different uh, automobile manufacturers, here are three different cars, and they can play with the colors and do whatever uh, other alternatives they want. But when they drape uh, a beautiful woman over one car, one of the cars, men will consistently judge that to be the fastest car. Now, you can move the cars around, and the subsequent men will continue to judge a different car with the woman as the fastest car. 
Automobile manufacturers know this, and this is how they sell a desire. Uh, and, and it's just one of the many, many tricks. And so we are, we are immersed in a media that is intent upon owning our thoughts. So how degree. do we sort these out? How do we sort out what we've bought, what we've well, you, brought into ourselves and what we, I mean, if we've rejected that, and, if and, we understand the advertising, we've rejected the concept, have we still formed a belief? You, uh, you read my mind, because the very next <laughs> thing I was going to say, Irene, was you know, my favorite question today when it comes to discovering how true this might be or also what it is that we believe is simply this. What was your last genuine, genuinely true, original thought? Now, oh. to that question, I get the same answer. Thousands of people I've asked now. And the answer is silence. Mm-hmm. When you start you thinking about what was my last original thought, what is that, the kind of clothes that I'm wearing? Well, of course not. The fashion, um, the, the kind of automobile, my ambitions, uh, the briefcase I carried away. I, I mean, wait a minute. Uh, was that the lines out of a movie? Was that the bumper sticker? Was that, uh, what was my last original thought? Genuinely original thought. I mean, is the human being capable of original thoughts? Is that a fair question? Now, if you want to pursue that even further, it's a then start question. asking yourself questions. That's how you you make the uncovering. But they're simple, silly questions. You know, one of my favorites that I use for demonstration in seminars um, is, is simply this. I'll ask the audience, how many of you want to make a million dollars this year? Of course, everybody, everybody says yes. Yeah. You know, they all do. So I say, okay, now look, you know that in order to make a million dollars, not win the lottery, but to earn a million dollars, you're going to have to believe you can earn a million dollars because you're going to go at risk. I mean, you're going to go at risk in your time, your energy, and maybe your resources in order to do that. You know, you're not going to just buy a printing press. You're going to have to generate it. You're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to earn it. You, there's a power within you capable of that. You're going to have to believe you can do that, or you just simply won't get it done. You all understand that, right? Of course, everybody's head wags. Yep, 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 got that. Okay, now imagine Bill Gates is in here, and he says to himself, this year I'm going to make a million dollars. Do you think he's going to have any problems saying that to himself? Not likely. Nah, he'll, he'll but if you all say it to yourself, and you listen for a minute to the talk, the chatter that comes back, your own self-talk, your own inner talk, you'll get the temperature on what you genuinely believe. Because what will come back might be things like, so what are you going to do, rob a bank? Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, my God, I can't before. work that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, see? And that, that, that is a good barometer just asking ourselves, you know, do I deserve this? Am I good enough to deserve success? Say to yourself, I deserve success. And see if you get back. Eh, maybe, I don't know. You, do you remember when you did this? Do you know what success brings with it? Are you prepared to do this? I mean, how much success? What do you mean success at what? 
You see, all of this that back talk that we get from our inner talk, our stream of consciousness, it genuinely is a reflection on what our deeper, truer beliefs are. But we have to question ourselves. Most of us will have these aberrant thoughts race across our mind, and we'll say, oh, can't, you know, I don't even want to think that. I can't believe that I had such a thought. I'd sure never tell anybody I ever thought that. Uh, you know, we will have the self-doubt, and that's what it is. It is the self-doubt. You know, the subtitle of the book, I believe, when what you believe matters, the bottom line is what you believe always matters. Every single one of those beliefs in that web inter, you know, interrelate to one another, dovetail together, and impact either in a negative way and or empower in a positive way, whatever your ambitions are. And that goes for relationships, through uh, prosperity, through, through things that we used to think were impossible. You know, I was a boy. I'm dating myself now, but I was a boy when something impossible was done. There was a barrier. It was called the four-minute mile. Nobody could oh, run yeah. a mile in four minutes. I mean, there are stories about the Greeks turning wild animals, you know, lions loose on runners to see if they could get them to run the four-minute mile. Uh, no one could do that. And all the doctors, the physiologists, the, the medical doctors, the scientists of the day said it's not humanly possible, and, and if somehow it could be done, it would kill a person. It just couldn't be done. But there was an athlete by the name of Roger Bannister that wouldn't buy that. Roger Bannister said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that four-minute mile. And they all told him it was just crazy, it was a silly dream, it just could not be done. Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile in 1954. Now, and that's amazing, but here's the real amazing bit, Irene. Here's the real amazing, and I know you have to go to a break, but once <laughs> he broke it, the ceiling was no longer there. It was broken 17 more times in the next three years. Yep. And what now we are going to go to break, and think about what Eldon Taylor has just said. What are your beliefs that are holding you back, keeping you from breaking whatever record it is that you think you need to break? This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Alan Taylor, saying, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hi, this is Rochelle and Jeff from Travel Hub Radio with another Travel Hub tip. You're late for your flight and there is a long line at the security checkpoint. What can you do as a traveler to improve time and efficiency and make your flight quickly? One idea is to take everything out of your pockets, such as sunglasses, cell phones, PDAs, pagers, and other metal and electronic objects. 
put them in an easily accessible pocket on your carry-on luggage. If security asks you to display or operate these items, they're right there. Plus, you won't hold up the line when you have to do the walk. A metal belt buckle or a wristwatch is usually not a problem, but be aware of them and ready to remove them quickly if needed. Wear comfortable shoes that can be quickly slipped off and on if you are asked to remove them. Most of all, if the security personnel give you specific directions or ask you a question, don't argue. Just comply and cooperate. It's not personal. They're just doing their job. For traveling tips and much more, make sure you tune into Travel Hub Radio or listen to the show archives and podcast right here on World Talk Radio and at TravelHubRadio.com. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Eldon Taylor. We've been talking about belief, and I know that at this point you're all wondering how you can learn more about Dr. Taylor, read more of what he's done. And so I'm going to ask you, Eldon, to tell people how they can find you, tell them about your website, tell them about the specials on your book, the wonderful gifts that you've offered. Um, The floor is yours. Well, thank you very much. you know, first, I really appreciate our conversation today, Irene. You're, you're oh, a wonderful host. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. Uh, the book is I Believe When What You Believe Matters, and uh, and we do have a special promotion going on with it right now, and uh, and I'm lucky that there are many luminaries uh, like Irene that are supporting the book, um, and they're giving gifts. Uh, you, I mean, Jack Canfield, Lindsey Wagner, uh, Bob Doyle, Bruce Lipton, Norman Sheely, Lynn Andrews, James Van Prog, Marcy Shimoff, T. Har- T. Harvecker. I, I mean, and on and on and on. And, and, and I don't want to slide anybody, but um, there are nearly ten thousand dollars in gifts uh, that are available uh, by simply registering your purchase receipt after buying the book. And you get the book. You, you can register for all this by going to my website, Eldon Taylor, E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R dot com. Uh, in fact, if you go to the website first, there's a banner on the page. Click on that banner. The banner is a picture of the book, I believe. Click on the banner. It will lead you to wherever you want to go. I mean, it gives you the options. You can buy the book at Amazon, buy it at Barnes, whatever. Uh, but once you've gone through that process, you're already pre-registered. You don't have to come back and fill out everything uh, a second time. Uh, and and we have had just some absolutely incredible feedback from the people that have read the book. But I have to share with you, when I was uh, you know running around playing law enforcement. Uh, there was a bionic woman on television. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You remember that. And, oh, uh, I did. I loved her. I, I did, too. You know, and I have I followed her career. I watched her go off and do some really serious um, movies and and 
chair or become very involved in lots of really worthy causes. And so it was a particular value to me when uh, Lindsay Wagner read the book and and sent back a testimonial. She said, I just, I just have to tell you, I believe it's one of those special books to be experienced and contemplated, not just read and the information recorded. Enjoy the journey. I did. Well, you know, as an author, you can't ask for more than that. No, I honestly think that the book, I believe, can be a game changer for so many people if they really reflect on what you've said. It has to make a difference. Thank you, Irene. I, I, I am convinced of that, too. And, uh, and I think systematically, as you go through the book, you discover that uh, the most important thing in, in your life is your character. Uh, and your character, you know, there, there's a chapter, for example, that deals with flaws. We have a notion about flaws in, in our life, you know, and, and wrapping back around to before the break when we're talking about being sold a deficiency well, you know, how tall you are or what you weigh or your complexion or your skin color, all those things, none of them are flaws. You know, the only real flaw in a human being would be their integrity. Being untrue to ourselves, lying to ourselves, lying to the world around us, not doing our best at whatever we try to do, that robs us of integrity. You know, there's a, I, I, as a young boy, I was always very, very interested in understanding metaphysics and, and, and how it related to the world of physics and science. And, um, and, and I had the good fortune of being uh, in, in a place where there were lots of different systems around me and clerics. And one day I had a question of a cleric because... You know, you could look into the world and see this idea that God created uh, all of us equal just didn't seem to me as a boy to make any sense. I was probably about 15 at the time. Um, because there were people in the world that were born with defects, birth defects, people in the world born in continents where they, they didn't stand a chance to survive very long because there were just shortages of, you know, basic supplies like food. Uh, how could you say they were created equal? And this cleric said to me, and again I'm dating myself, he said, Eldon, uh, you know who Walter Von Braun is? And I said, yeah, certainly. He's all over the front page of every major magazine and newspaper in America. He was the man behind liquid propulsion, and they had just launched the first, what we now know as ICBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missile, all based on his rocketry. So he's a hero. He spent his life working uh, at developing uh, rocketry, and here he is, a success. Can you imagine, Elton, how he feels? Yeah, sure. I mean, he's got to feel real good. So, all right, I want you to imagine this, and I, I want your audience to imagine it. Imagine that you're a custodian, and, 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 or imagine a custodian, and the custodian is given a room in the basement of a school to clean. Uh, they're going to put a, a new teacher in that room. It's going to be her office, and she's just a young part-time teacher. She's going to be doing some student teaching and some filling in. But the custodian knows her, and she's a really nice person. She treats him very nicely. 
So he really wants to do a good job on this room, and he, he clears it all out, looks at this floor, and it's old, old, old floor. It's had all kinds of things stored on it. There are can rings and rust, and let's just say it's a black and white tile floor. So he begins on it early in the morning, and he scrubs it on his hands and knees till his knuckles are raw, his knees are raw. He has picked it with a toothpick and a toothbrush. He has used harsh chemicals on it. Uh, he's finally got it clean, and he's hand-waxed it, and he's hand-polished it, every inch of it. And it's late at night, maybe 10 o'clock, and he stands back at the door with the light on, and he looks down at the floor, and it glistens like it couldn't have when it was new. Swirls of light just beam from that floor. How does he feel? <laughs> and how is his feeling any different than Walter von Braun's, the rocket scientist? You see, we marginalize ourselves only when we don't bring our very best to everything that we do. And it's not possible to bring our very best to everything that we do if we compromise ourselves over and over again with beliefs that are self-imposed limitations about who we are, what we might achieve, or, or the birthright that is ours by the pure fact that you're created by an omnipotent creator. And, Alden, that brings us right up to the end of the show. What's the final thought you want to leave with our listeners today and it has to be kind of brief well that's really simple believing in yourself always matters remember that and invest in that and you'll make a difference in your life fantastic next week's guest is carl pillimer who's recently interviewed a thousand senior citizens and he's written a book called 30 Lessons for Living, Tried and True Advice from the Wisest Americans. I think it's going to be a special treat, uh, and I want you to come back next week. Eldon, thank you so, so much for being here. I think we could have a half a dozen programs and still never touch all the things we need to talk about. Well, indeed, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share, Irene. Thank you so much. Good luck with your book and all the work that you're doing. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show saying goodbye for me and for Eldon Taylor. Thank you for being with us today and come back again next week for more. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.